So sometimes mommies and daddies stop getting along the way that they used to. Um, and, and then they, they don't talk to each other as much. And, and then they don't really do things together anymore. And then one of them moves out. And, and that's, that's called divorce. And then sometimes one movie podcast host sees a movie and the other doesn't. Um, and, and that's okay. Um, I, I think what I'm trying to say is the following is a review of a film that Pete has seen and Brady hasn't. As such, Pete is the only person in the episode. And as such, the episode is shorter than usual. It is conceivable that we will do more episodes of this in the future of movies that only one of us has seen. A shorter episode with only one person in it. But we want your feedback. So tell us if you like it and if we should do more or if we should just stick to the episodes that have both of us in it. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I'm Peter, and today I'm going to be reviewing the 2019 epic war film 1917, which is directed, co-written, and produced by Sam Mendes. Now, before I get into it, I'm just going to deal with some housekeeping here. If you're only hearing one voice, don't be alarmed. One of your earbuds is not broken. This episode's going to be a little bit different, so it's going to be a bonus episode on a movie that's still in theaters. I have seen it. Uh, Brady has not seen it yet, so that's why today it's just going to be myself reviewing this film. Uh, We might revisit this film in the future, either after Brady's seen it or after the Oscars. Uh, We'll kind of deal with that as time comes. Uh, As far as normal housekeeping, if you haven't already, please like, follow, subscribe across all our various uh, social media platforms and listening platforms. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, as far as listening, we're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can typically find us so you can catch up on all our previous episodes. Um, Just one more warning as far as housekeeping, there will be one spoiler in this episode. Uh, I'll give ample warning, and at that point, uh, you can just turn down the volume for 30 seconds while I just go over that spoiler. Or if you want to wait to listen to this till you've seen the movie, that's an option as well. Um, with that being said, uh, let's, let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with a quote from uh, Alex Godfrey from Empire, and it goes like this. Although 1917's filmmaking very much brings attention to itself, it's an astonishing piece of filmmaking portraying war with enormous panache. This is big screen bravado and then some. And, you know, generally I kind of agree with what he's saying there. To say that I was anticipating this movie or looking forward to this movie would be an understatement. Uh, I've been, ever since I saw the trailer months ago, I've had this date circled on the calendar just I'm a history buff so I enjoy um, World War One, and just this certain aspects of this film have uh, garnered attention from cinema fans as well just about how this movie was made so for multiple different reasons I've uh, been anticipating this 
this film is relevant because it's one of the nine best picture nominations and specifically this film is up for 10 nominations in total um, but personally one of the one of the reasons this movie really stood out to me before I saw it and after I've seen it is I just feel there is a very limited number of good film films set during the First World War, depicting the First World War. Um, I'm not saying there's none out there, but compared to other wars like the Vietnam War and the Second World War, where there's just tons and tons of different stories told during those periods of time, World War I has very limited uh, screen exposure. Um, there's a couple renditions of All Quiet on the Western Front, um, there's a more recent documentary uh, from Peter Jackson in the last couple of years called They Shall Not Grow Old that got quite a bit of attention. Um, there's the, I think it's the 2009 Paul Gross film, Canadian film, called Passchendaele, that, that, which is quite a good movie. Um, but again, just my point is, as far as volume of First World War movies, there's very, very few. Um, but... Uh, you know, this is a very niche category, but this movie itself was very well done. Um, and, and, you know, it was, as a lot of people know, it was told in, in real time, in a single shot, kind of a continuous shot, with the exception of one maybe little time lapse. Um, so just the, the period that it set in in the First World War and the way it was told were both very well done. Um, and specifically to the First World War, this movie, to me, amply conveyed the horrors of the Great War, uh, both on an individual and a macro level. Um, so just from everything from brutality, loss of life, living conditions, medical care or lack thereof, technolo or technological limitations, civilian casualties and hardships, and just the decimation of homes, cities, gardens and places of life. Um, it is of note and it's interesting, uh, This you find this out in the end credits and it's come out in social media, that this movie's story and premise is loosely based on uh, Sam Mendes' grandfather and some of his stories and experiences from when he served in the Great War. Um, but yeah, ultimately I felt this movie, you know, mastered its moments. So just from little nuances and moments of dialogue when, you know, actors are picking cherries in a hatched orchard to larger scenes, you know, where it's a pseudo climax or, you know, the penultimate climax where the actor McKay is running from gunshots in the night and then, you know, the scenes are illuminated by flares in the sky. Just, you know, in these big scenes, the, the audio and the visual and the lighting and just the story elements are all intersecting and kind of really amplify and project a scene well. Um, so, you know, ultimately, this movie, I, I have mostly good things to say. Um, one of the biggest things that this movie is known for, and I've alluded to it before, is just its kind of single main continuous shot. Um, and in and of itself, it's an accomplishment. Like, it's very impressive. Um, there was one small time lapse, and with, with, uh, with that aside, it was basically a movie that was told in real time. Um, and, you know, just some things that I've seen in documentaries about this movie, and even when I watched it in theater, it had a very live theater feel to it. 
Um, so just where scenes would have to be choreographed to a T, where dialogue would have to be just completely mapped out, where every character would say a specific line at a specific spot on the set. Um, you know, just it had to be lined up, uh, matched to a T, just so that between takes, because it was so honed in on kind of this uh, continuous one-shot nature, uh, everything had to be choreographed. So even before the sets were built, like the actors would be mapping out just like in a field, canvassing and just like putting down markers on the ground saying, okay, when I'm at this point in my dialogue, I need to be standing here, I need to be standing there. It was very meticulously choreographed. So that, you know, everything from top to bottom, I'm sure it was just mind-blowing how difficult pulling a feature like this off where you're doing this continuous shot um, and it's, you know, it's impressive. Uh, that being said, I do feel at times, I'm not sure if this was the best way to convey this specific story. I just feel that it, I wasn't a fan of just how much of tunnel vision there was in this movie. And I, I get that's the complete point that I'm sure Sam Mendes was trying to convey. Specifically, you know, I'm not trying to make a pun here, but like instead of tunnel vision, it was trench vision. And that's what he was trying to convey. You know, that's what these soldiers were living in. And he wanted us, the audience, to feel the same as these soldiers. But I just feel that came at the cost of there were times where maybe a more panoramic shot or a more artistic shot of a larger scale could have been used. Um, and just, you know, with this single continuous shot, although it was masterfully done and there were good shots and good visuals in this in this movie, there were times where I feel like there could have maybe just been things done in a different way. Um, the only comparable I have to a movie that was shot in like a perceived continuous shot is uh, another Oscar or, uh, nominated movie that got some attention a few years ago with Michael Keaton uh, called Birdman. Very interesting film, obviously very different as far as just like it's a fictional drama not based on a historical war. Um, and I feel like personally I feel the type of like a continuous shot setting was is more fitting in Birdman than this movie. Um, I just feel that 1917 maybe doesn't lend itself as much. Like um, there's some there's some give and take, some things that you, we had to compromise and give up for as far as visuals. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this movie was flawed because of it. I'm just pointing out, you know, because of this continuous shot, there were some things that we had to give up. Um, Another thing that I think worked against it, and I'm, this is where I'm going to say there's a spoiler coming up. So if you don't care about the spoiler, keep listening. Uh, or if you want, you can just turn the volume down and in about 45 seconds, I'll be done. So the one spoiler here is, and something that I think works worked against the film, was the character that was portrayed by Chapman in this movie. I feel he died too early in the film. And that was just my perception. Um, obviously, it was very emotionally just riveting, just these two characters with the one passing away and the other trying to comfort them. Uh, I'm not saying it was lost on me, but I'm wondering if it would have been a little bit more emotionally stirring if it had been later in the film, you know, if they had been closer to achieving their goal and then Chapman would have been killed. I'm wondering if that may have been a little bit more powerful. Um, but then again, uh, at what cost, right? The whole point of Chapman dying when he did is that the other actor, McKay, who, you know, he 
has this feeling of isolation and solidarity that wouldn't have been accomplished if Chapman had been with him the whole time. So I understand what Sam Mendes is doing here, uh, but you know, I'm wondering if maybe it worked against itself again. Uh, that's it for the spoilers. So uh, hopefully, uh, the people who haven't seen it yet have turned the volume back up. Um, something I'm not sure about, and I'm curious to find out, is I'm not sure about the rewatchability of this film, and I'm wondering if it'll hold up. Um, when I was watching this film, someone whispered to me, and I kind of agreed with what they said, it had a very adventure video game feel. Uh, so upon viewing it a second time or a third time, with knowing where this story takes us, I wonder if it will lose a bit of its luster. But again, I feel it did have enough of... Uh, attachment to the humans and you know human story in this film and the human experience that I do feel this movie could be felt on a greater level upon watching it a second or third time and it so accurately and so well portrayed uh, a story in the first world war that for that reason alone I would I think it will hold up um so like I said, uh, this movie is one of the nine Best Picture nominations. Um, so to the question, will it win Best Picture or should it? Um, and just as a side note, this movie was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, which to me is an accomplishment on its own. Um, but I feel, I think this movie is definitely worth the Best Picture nomination. My gut feeling is I do not think it will win. Um, I haven't seen all the nine movies that are up for Best Picture. I'm currently working through them. Uh, so as far as should it, I wouldn't be upset if it did, uh, but I don't necessarily think it should. Again, just pointing out, I haven't seen all nine films, so I can't give a de definitive response, but that's kind of what I'd say. Um, as far as if you're a regular listener, you're aware that there's usually some trivia so my trivia today is very Sherlock, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes infused. Uh, so I would like you to name three actors in this film with acting ties to Sherlock Holmes adaptations. So three actors in this film who've either been in movies or television productions related to Sherlock Holmes. And some are a little more obvious. Some are a little under the radar. That might be obvious to you. You might not care. You might not be into Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so the first of the three, uh, which would be the most obvious, I think, is Benedict Cumberpatch or Benedict Cumberbun, however you pronounce that, uh, who obviously plays Sherlock Holmes in the BBC Sherlock. Uh, the second actor uh, is Andrew Scott, who plays Moriarty in BBC's Sherlock. And the third actor Mark Strong, who plays Lord Blackwood in the 2009 Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes film. And finally, just to wrap it up, what would I rank this movie out of 10? Uh, I gave it an 8.8 .8 out of 10. Uh, so if you're familiar with my ranking system, I just rank it as, you know, if it's, you know, below 3.9, I'd maybe watch it if there was no Wi-Fi at the cottage. If it's above a 7, I would totally pay for to watch it in the theaters and not be upset that I paid money uh, to see it in theaters. And, you know, it was definitely in that category. I paid money to see it in theaters. I was so happy I saw it in theaters. I would potentially see it again in theaters. Um, the only things that I marked against it, 
that it didn't earn maximum points was the plot. And not that I thought it was a bad plot, but it, it was nothing groundbreaking. Um, and I know it was just pretty straightforward. Um, and I'm trying to compare apples to apples. And, you know, there are other war films that do maybe have a bit more of a plot that's a little, a little, has a little few more twists and turns in that it's a little more philosophically driven. Uh, so I'm thinking of t- Saving Private Ryan. Um, so, you know, Saving Private Ryan deals with the atrocities of war and has this big picture, like Second World War going on. But then on a little individual micro level, it raises, you know, philosophical questions of, you know, should an entire platoon risk its life for saving one brother? And, you know, there's just some philosophical implications and, you know, you can have a debate about that. With this movie, there wasn't anything on that level. It was just a straightforward here's the plot, here's what happens, here you go. And um, nothing wrong with it, but it's just not that complex. And the only other thing uh, I didn't give full marks on was character development. Uh, I feel it wasn't as fleshed out as maybe other war films. Wasn't horrible, just again, maybe could have been a little more explored. The visuals, I ended up giving full marks. I know I kind of uh, downgraded the whole continuous shot thing. I just ultimately would have felt weird docking points because of some missed opportunities. Um, Just because obviously this is so groundbreaking and just the work and the skill and the teamwork that just was probably needed to pull this off. Um, It would have just felt two weird docking points uh, just because I felt it missed some opportunities. Um, And, you know, ultimately it still achieved very, very good storytelling in in the end. Um, But yeah, 8.8 out of 10. Absolutely would recommend seeing this in theaters if you're a cinema fan or a history buff. Um, That's my thoughts. And uh, let me know if you agree or disagree. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.